0: As you know, it wasn't long ago that we did so many things that when I got ready to preach, most of my time was gone. You rejoiced, I remember that. So do I do all of that again? Well, I don't think so. Take your Bible and turn quickly with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You and I, one of these days, are going to give our final words. Our final words. I remember in the Old Testament when Jacob laid dying, he called in all of his sons and he gave them a final word. You know, some people get that chance to do that, to give that final word. Some people, they just die like that and, well, we never know at what time we're going to go home to be with the Lord. But I wanted to give you something that the apostle, Paul, that wrote most of the church epistles, what he said toward the end of them, as though it might be the last time he ever wrote them a letter. But I want you to look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 16. Look in verse 13. He says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. Quit you like men. Quit. Like men because men don't quit at the camp we had the tug-of-war John John tried to encourage everyone of them. don't worry about the water don't worry about the mud now of course he wasn't going in it but it says you hang on to that rope and you don't let go and you fight with every ounce that you've got and even when they start pulling you in you just keep fighting you fight all the way through And buddy, some of those kids literally did. I thought they were going to drown as they went through the mud. I was just glad none of their heads were under the water. Or John John would have said, hang on, hang on. You only got one hour to go under there. But the key was learn to fight. Learn to struggle. Learn to give it all that you have. And as men, this is what we ought to do. He says this, be strong. Be strong. Wouldn't it be wonderful if all of God's children were strong in the Lord, in the spiritual warfare, that the devil couldn't stop you. Nobody could stop you. You made up your mind. You're going to fight to the finish. And we've only got a little bit, maybe a little bit further to go. Most people quit right before victory. You may be down right now, but you're not out. Always get up and keep struggling and fighting What I mean to say that, it means just don't quit and give give up on God. You do all that you can, trust in the Lord to do all that God can do, because there's things God will do that you can't do. But He won't do for you what you can do. Remember that. And he makes this statement here in verse 14, Let all of your things be done with love or with charity. Look in this verse here. I want you to see this because it's so important. In verse 16, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. See, we always try to make sure that people understand salvation is free. It's a gift. You don't have to labor. You don't have to work. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to do anything. Why? Christ did all the work. But when He saved you and gave you eternal life and left you here, now He wants you to work. So you don't work to be saved, but we work because of service. And our labor for the Lord is our way of saying thank you to the Lord for what He's done for us. And it seems like all of God's children ought to be thankful for what He's done for us. And notice what He says there in verse 18. For they have, and get this, refreshed my spirit and yours. There are people who love to encourage one another. Did you know just by the fact that you serve the Lord, you encourage somebody else? You sit around and whine and pine all the time and moan and groan. You are such a discouraging individual. Did you know that? Nobody wants to be around somebody that's always negative and down in the mouth and whining about something and always complaining. I don't want to be around people like that. I really don't. Neither do you. Well, why would you want to be one of them? Because you know people don't like that. They want to be around people that are honest have integrity, have character, and they stand strong, they know what they believe, they got confidence, they got boldness, they're positive, they're encouraging. Isn't that what you want to be? That's what the Word of God tells us. And so as you go down through here, it makes these simple little things toward the end of the book. Take your Bible and look in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians in chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 13, and look there in verse 11. Verse 11, where he makes a statement, Finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect, or be mature. Be mature. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. You know why he says all of this? Because this church had every problem you could ever think of. They were in each other's throat. God's wonderful children. Fourteen major problems in this church alone. So he closed after he wrote him a stinging letter. He said, "Be mature, because at the beginning of the chapter three, he talked about you're carnal, you're babes in Christ, you're whiners, you're divisive, you're critical, you're bitter." He says, be mature, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Remember, the God of love will be with you because you mature and you've got one mind and you love the brother, you do the things God wants you to do, and the God that is the God of love, the God of peace, the God of joy, the God of whatever God is, he can make you. But a lot of God's people don't stop to take the time to find out what God says. What's the final word? Okay, Paul, after you done said all of this for 13 chapters, wrap it all up for me. In verse 12, I remember one time I told the kids to stand up and give me their favorite verse in the Bible. And this girl stood up says, this is mine. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I didn't trust that girl. Some people are always looking for a special verse, you know, whatever. Greet one another with a holy kiss. In verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. You see, there's so much peace and joy and love that God wants us to have in this world. In the midst of all of our problems, all of our trials, But you see, sometimes Christians forfeit so much in their life. When you go away from God, did you know you're asking for trouble? Did you know you can't win against God? You can't win. It's a losing fight, it's a losing battle. What a dumb strategy. Hey, want to fight somebody? Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'll take you on. Come on, come on. There standeth a nut. You know how I built up my muscles? I used to fill the bathtub full of water, and not pull the plug and then fight the current. Okay. Turn to the book of Galatians in chapter six. Galatians chapter six. Look how many books we're all covering so far. Because we're covering the, the wrapping up part of it. We're, we're forgetting all of those little details, and let's just get to the what's the conclusion of the matter? You see there in chapter 6, look at verse 17. Paul says, from henceforth, from now on, let no man trouble me. Don't trouble me. What he's talking about is because there were people who were trying to add works to the gospel. And some of God's people were being moved. He says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that would trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel than that which we preach unto you, let him be accursed. He says, don't trouble me. Don't accuse me. He says, I have suffered for the cause of Christ. The message, the clear gospel, is offensive to people. It causes problems and so you want to add a little work to it because you don't want the problem you want to have a message like everybody else there's probably people that wish Yankee would add just a little bit of leaven to the gospel because we might double our size of our church we might get a lot more people come here if I wasn't so hard-headed well blessed be God I am I am hard-headed I am rock solid on what this book says. And I don't care to add in any human works into the gospel of Christ. Just so that we can raise the dough. Look what he says. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Some of these people that camp, they actually bore in their body some of the marks of their sufferings at camp. I mean, some of them got scant knees and some of them banged up their feet. I think little Michael Arroyo had a, a scar above his eye. Chasing some girl, I think. I don't know. No, that's not true. But we had a lot of fun, but there was a, a few little bumps and bruises along the way. But then that's what life is all about. You're trying to teach people these things. I told them how that they had this one little ledge on this here tree. You stand there and you cross your hand and you got to face the tree, and you got to fall backwards into the arms of your teammates and trust them to catch you. I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do that. Because I just know that there's somebody who would just love to see the preacher fall. So it is a great step of faith just to fall back. I remember one time Lee Stanford was at our church. Dr. Stanford's son, he was speaking for him. And he had his wife come up on the platform. And he had her stand there. And he went behind her. He says, now, honey, I'm going to demonstrate faith to the audience. I'm going to stand behind you. You don't know how far back I am, but I'm going to catch you. All I want you to do is just close your eyes and fall backwards. She says, not on your life. Isn't it wonderful that you can trust the Lord? Because you know He won't fail you. Look at Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And look at verse 21. Verse 21. You didn't know this, but the Apostle Paul had affairs. Now when we say that today, it don't sound good. But look what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. And Tychicus, he says, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things. In other words, Paul says, I want you to know what I've been going through. Sometimes it's good for people to know, hey, you're not the only one. You remember the story of Elijah. He says, I'm the only one left. Nobody's left to serve you but little old me. And that woman Jezebel scares me to death. I just going to go out here under the juniper tree and I just want to die. And the Lord says, why don't you shut up? That's in the Hebrew. He says, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. You're not the only one you ever think nobody knows the Lord but me? Nobody serves the Lord like I do. Yeah maybe they shouldn't but he makes this statement here in verse 22 whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose a purpose get this you ought to underline this in your Bible that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts from me to you. I want you to know what I'm going through what I'm facing, what I have to go through in my life. But he wants to come there and he wants to comfort you also. So it says in verse 23, peace be to the brethren. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why will we always have to tell God's people about having peace and grace and love and joy? Because <laughs> sometimes that's the last thing we have. People are not yielded to the Lord as they should be you know that those are the things that describe the character of God? Because they are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not plural, it's singular. If you get one, you'll get them all. If you get one of them, you'll get them all. It's amazing how it works. But now notice, in the book of Philippians, turn over there to the book of Philippians, and look there in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, but look in verse 1. He says, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown. You often wonder, well, when I get to heaven, God's going to give me a crown. I wonder what the crown's going to look like. You know, the crown may be some of those people that you led to Christ. I don't know how it's going to work. I really don't know. Bible talks about five different crowns. I can't, I only got one head. I'm not going to wear five crowns. I don't know. There might be a way that God talked about it. He says, and every man shall receive praise. Honor and glory. Well, that could be three crowns. To crown you with praise. To crown you with honor. To crown you with glory. Because, see, down here, you may give up a lot of that for the cause of Christ. Everybody wants something. Everybody wants to be something. Do something. Achieve some great thing. Everybody to know who you are and what you've done. But you may have to become a dedicated nobody for the cross and be behind the scenes. Let me just mention this to you. I'm in the limelight all the time, but did you know if it wasn't for my wife, I couldn't do what I do? She works behind the scenes. When they had to go to the emergency room, my wife goes to the nursing. She goes too. When they have to stay up late at night, I don't care who it is, she'll be up late at night. She has to be up early in the morning. She would watch those little kids to help so that the adults could go to the meetings. I hardly ever hear her complain. She just does the job. She works behind the scenes. But there's other people that always got to have, Hey, it's me. Hey, look at me. It's me. Here I'm him. No, you don't quite get it. God says if you do things for the praise of men, you have already received your reward. now if you want it from God then you have to do it for him but if you're doing it for yourself do you think there's a God in heaven that knows the difference he knows he knows your heart that's why if you do it for him it'll be real you do it for yourself it'll be hypocrisy it'll be a show so keep that in mind and then I want you to see this verse look over in verse 13 In verse 13, he makes the statement, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Because whether it's a lot or a little, rich or poor, bountiful or empty, it doesn't matter. Paul says, in whatsoever state I am, I have learned to be content. Because Christ strengtheneth me. So when you're really down and you don't have any money, let Christ give you the strength you need to keep going. And when you've got money, you better learn to trust the Lord instead of your money. Do You know the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And you'd be surprised how fast He can take it away. And so he makes a statement here, and I want you to see that. Look in verse 18. He says, But I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, so there was something at the church there in Philippi. They had sent an offering. They had sent some monetary goods to meet Paul's needs. You see, when he makes a statement in Philippians in chapter one and verse six, look at that real quick. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, the people here, they were giving to me the necessity of the Apostle Paul to carry on his work. And he says, I am confident God will keep performing through you. And so as you read the chapter, he said, I want fruit that will abound to your account. And to these people he had made this statement. Yet you're the ones that he says there in verse 19. But my God shall supply all of your need. Why? Because you are supplying my need. Did you know you can become so stingy? And you're afraid of investing in the Lord's work. You're afraid to give. Well, I got pay this and I got to pay this and I got to pay that. Did you know that you'll have more if you learn the art of giving? If you'll learn to be a channel of blessing? Remember the little illustration I gave you one time? I prayed to God and God gave and I shared. And God gave and I shared. And God gave, and I.... Well, keep and God gave and I <laughs> And God, God. Right hey, eh, you got this, you thief. God didn't give things to us to hoard, but to love and to care and to share. And if you will be a channel of blessings, you'll continue to receive. But you'd be surprised how much has been taken away from God's people, because they stop trusting God; they become afraid. There's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Job, where Job says, That which I have feared has come upon me. And you're afraid, I'm afraid of going to lose it, so I become stingy. No, it's when you begin to sow. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. See, it all depends on how much confidence and trust do you have in the Lord. How mature are you? So that's why he's talking about, let's be mature. Now, take your Bible and turn there to the book of uh, Colossians. Hey, we've been here before, haven't we? Colossians in chapter 4. And look in verse 12. Colossians chapter 4 and look in verse 12. I want you to see what he says about this. In verse 12, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, Saluteth you. Look at this. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Did you know praying is a work? Prayer is serving the Lord? Labor? Prayer isn't the easiest thing in the world. It takes time and effort to read the Word of God. It takes time and effort struggling through a prayer for somebody. Because that's the most difficult time to focus and stay focused. Because your mind wanders. You see, because every time you start praying for somebody, the devil comes up and sprinkles some of this little space dust over you. Make you spacey. You can't think. You can't hold your thoughts. It's a struggle. It's a war. Did you know you can accomplish more for God through prayer than any other form of work? You say, well, I never tried that. Try it. Learn to pray. Did you know that God may be working in your life to teach you to pray because it forces you to go to Him when He has got you at the point of despair? Faith is born. And get the last part of that verse. That ye may stand mature, complete in all the will of God. That's what he prayed for and he worked at it. Fervently, prayer. Prayer should not be an excuse for serving the Lord and doing other things that God wants you to do. That you should not do. But look in verse 13. For I bear him record that as he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. You see, when you see the word Laodicea, it's usually a a word that goes toward the book of Ephesians, the people there, the church in Ephesus. But you'll notice that you may stand, that you may stand. If there's anything that a preacher wants is his people to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When you hear different philosophies and so forth, you'll say, I know what I believe because the Word of God says blah, 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 blah. Uh, turn your page there if you've got a note scroll for reference. Bible. Look in verse 16 where it says, And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans in Ephesus, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea or the book of Ephesians. In other words, I'm sending one to you and one to you. You make sure you get their letter, and you make sure you get their letter. And they were to pray for one another and to encourage one another. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody did everything they're supposed to do? But look what he said in verse 17. And say to Erechipus, he said, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Now, stop and think for a moment. What is the ministry that God's given to you? What do you believe God wants you to do with your life? See, that's one of the reasons why you study the Bible, so you can do what God wants. Because if left up to you, you'll just do whatever comes to your mind. And then after you've done lived your life, what did you accomplish? But when you do that, which God wants you to do, he says, fulfill it. Do it. The little Nike commercial, just do it. Just do it. Do what God wants you to do. Somebody had a shirt on at camp, and they just had it, just do it. I don't remember who had it. But I saw it. That look in verse 18. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul. Remember these words right here. Remember my bonds. You see, Paul had more freedom in jail than most people do out of jail. You see, in the book of John in chapter 8, in verse 32 and 34, when he talks about, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. But if you don't know the truth, then you believe a lie. If you believe a lie, you're captured by it. If you're captured by it, you become its servant. You become the servant of sin. When you become a servant of sin, you become a slave to sin. And majority of God's people are slaves. You're not free. You're only free when you're obedient to God. Otherwise, you become a slave to habits that you shouldn't be a slave to. You're a slave. slave. You, because you serve it instead of serving God. You need to put God first in everything that you do. As a child of God, you ought not have anything that would deter you from being all that God wants. We're running out of time. You ain't got much time left. Well, some of y'all are young. You may have a a couple more years older, longer than I do. But sooner or later, you're going to run out of time. God's going to come back or you're going to die. So important. So anyway, are you free or are you a slave? It's okay to be a slave, a love slave of the Lord. But when you serve sin, you become a servant of sin, a slave of sin, and you're not free. It captures you. Take your Bible real quick and look in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, just turn to your right. I figure this way, there's no way I should lose you. You just know it's the next book. You know it's the last chapter of the next book. See how simple that is? So in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, look in verse 23. And the very God, the very God of peace sanctify you holy. and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. You're to keep yourself clean and pure between you and God. You see, You might think, nobody knows what you're doing with your life. They don't know what goes on behind closed doors. They don't know that you might be shacking up with somebody. They don't know whether or not you're a homosexual or not. You can hide yourself. So, nobody knows. Oh, yes. God knows. If you're a child of God, you're to do right. You're to live right. You're to let this word be your guide. If there's things you're doing in your life that are not right, you better stop it but it. Examine your life, live a holy life, live a godly life. Don't justify sin. You can't do it. You're deceiving yourself. Don't deceive yourself. You let the Word of God tell you what's right and what's wrong. Don't trust your own way. Don't lean unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge God, the Word of God. How do you mock God? You mock God when you mock sin. And you mock sin by thinking, I can do it and get away with it. And you are the fool. Because you cannot live as you please and get away with it. There are prices to pay. Going to heaven, yes, that's a gift that's free. And once you have it, you have as a free gift everlasting life. Look what it says in verse 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Everybody. So there are certain letters that God wrote to said, I want everybody to hear this, everybody to know this. And of course when you read in chapter 4 and about the body and all these things, and over and over and over again, it talks about the second coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, Christ is coming back, and you don't know when. So that's why a man is a fool to plan on dedicating his life down the road instead of doing it now. Down the road may never come. All you have to give to the Lord is now. Serve the Lord with all your heart, with what you have, where you are. 2 Thessalonians, look here real quick. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 3. I want you to look in verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. As you serve the Lord, not everybody is going to love you to death. They're not all going to pat you on the back and praise you for all those wonderful things you've done and all the sacrifice you've made. You may work with people that use profanity and do this and do that and a thousand other things. And God says um, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. But he was talking more about his life. There's people who wanted to take his life away from him. So he says in verse 3, But the Lord is faithful. Underline that phrase. The Lord is faithful. And if you want to be like the Lord, you'll have to be faithful. But why? Because the Lord is faithful. He always keeps His word. He always does right. God does not do wrong. You can never blame God for anything that goes wrong in your life. He will do what He says He will do. Now, also, look in verse 16, chapter 3. Verse 16. Now the God of peace himself give you peace always by all means. Always by all means. This is what God wants you to do. And there is a statement here in the word of God that talks about maintaining good works. You started, maintain. You see, you'll see that there in uh, verse, uh, let me see if I can find the verse right quick. Uh, about maintaining good example. I don't see it right now. But I know it's in here somewhere. It's in the Bible. Turn to the next book. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 17. The conclusion, final words. Charge them that are rich in this world that they may be not high-minded. That's why rich people always charge everything. No. Charge them that are rich in this world that they don't trust in their riches. That they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. See a person with money has a problem. They have a tendency to trust in their money. They can get them out of anything because I can pay for it. I can get it. You say well I, I don't want to have that problem. Well, I wouldn't mind trying it just a little bit to see if I could be faithful you know verse 18 that they do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate willing to distribute in other words be willing to share what God has given to you be a blessing to other people uh, look there at 2nd Timothy 2nd Timothy real quick chapter 4 chapter 4 look in verse 14 he talks about a guy named Alexander, the coppersmith. Did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. He did me wrong. Look down in verse 17. 17 says, Notwithstanding, the Lord, you ought to underline it, the Lord stood with me. See verse 16, nobody stood with me. Nobody stood with me. But verse 17, the Lord did. You see, a lot of people may turn against you. But the Lord doesn't. You still have Him. Walk with the Lord. Don't base your spirituality upon whether other people accept you or reject you. Because they did that to Christ. But you still have your Heavenly Father. He will stand with you. Do right. And He says, the Lord stood with me and you're on the line the next to it and strengthened me. And He strengthened me. You see there in verse 18, and the Lord shall deliver me. Put your confidence, your trust in the Lord. And the Lord delivered me from every evil work. See, there's a lot of evil things out there to do. The devil wants to trap you. But you've got to make up your mind and I'm going to serve him. Serve the Lord. And he says in the last part of verse 18, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. You see, the Lord is the one who preserves you. You're not preserving yourself. He saves me by grace. I didn't deserve it. Gives me eternal life and he will keep me saved. He'll never cast me out and he'll never lose me. He is with me and if I would walk with him, then he will keep me from a lot of evil that's in this world. There's a lot of things that a lot of people do in this life, but those things have not been a part of my life. I have no idea what it's like to have a hangover. I ain't got a clue. I don't never have those headaches that people have. I haven't vomited out my guts. And people say, oh, oh, what a bash we had. Boy, I had such a wonderful time. (laughs) Something's wrong up there. I've never had to experience it. I've never been locked up for some crime or something like that. Now, if I get locked up for the gospel, praise the Lord. So, and I know you'll, you'll come and visit me. Titus, real quick. We only have fourteen books to go. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Look in verse 8. Titus chapter 3 verse 8. This is a faithful saying and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Thou affirm constantly. Those two words, very important. We try to get kids to dedicate their lives to the Lord and then maybe the next year they need to rededicate their life to the Lord. To me I would have to affirm this constantly, all the time. I gave the Lord yesterday. Today, I reaffirmed it. Tomorrow, I need to do it again. Every day. Because I dedicated my life to the Lord. But my life out there, I don't got yet. I don't got yet. I don't have yet. But I do know that if I give the Lord today, and then when tomorrow comes, I give the Lord that day, Well, lo and behold, I will have given him my life. It's easy to give what you don't have and hard to give what you do have. So affirm constantly. And he says that they may have believed in God, might be careful, and you down on the line of his to maintain good works. Also in verse 14 says the same thing. Look there in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews in chapter 13. And look in verse 20. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. This is on page 1305. And in verse 20 he says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. See, when Christ died on the cross and shed His blood, He made a covenant But it was an everlasting covenant. It was that He promised that when He saved you, it would last forever. His blood was incorruptible blood. It means that Jesus Christ is the living proof of payment. You go to the restaurant, you get something to eat, and they give you a receipt. Jesus and the scars in His hands and in His feet, without His blood, is my living proof of payment. He's my receipt, paid in full. And I have him forever. devil says anything to me, here's my receipt. Why am I going to heaven? Because I got a receipt. My sins were paid in full. They're all paid in full. Now see what he says in verse 21. Make you perfect or mature in every good work. Not in some areas of your life. Every area of your life. To do what? To do His will. You're not here to live for you. It's not what you want. It's what God wants. If people could only understand, you will have more fun, more enjoyment out of life if you do what God wants you to do with your life. And it is so very important. You just went through 13 books in the Bible. Maybe 14. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for the sin is eternal separation from God. But the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ, he did something for us. He came into this world and he shed his blood to pay for our sins so that we could go to heaven. Because, see, to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We're not good enough to go. One lady, she said, you mind to tell me I'm not good enough to go to heaven? I said, yes, ma'am. That's exactly what I'm saying. A little smart aleck. But God loves her. God loves all of us. And he says, you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loved us. Hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took the sin. All of it paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said if we would believe He did it for us, He would put this payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what Christ did. You don't earn it, you don't work for it. It's a gift. Being born into God's family is free. It's easy. Christ did all the work. So if you hear and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, well the most important thing you can ever do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that when He died, He died for you. That means he paid for your sins. It means if he paid for your sins, you don't have to. You mean all those bad things? I don't have to go to heaven and pay You don't have to pay for none of them. Well, that don't sound right. I know. That's called grace. You don't deserve it. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Do me a favor. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? Would you do that? If you will trust the Lord, I'd like to know it. So I'm going to ask in just a moment for you to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And you say, Preacher, that made sense to me. And this morning, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you have already trusted the Lord, you don't have to do it again. You only have to do it one time. Because God cannot lie. And He said if you trust Him, He will save you and give you eternal life. So with his about nice clothes, is there anyone at all say yes, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior? Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just slip it up real quick, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here, especially the individuals that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust Christ as their savior. By doing so, you give them as a free gift, everlasting life. And they can know that they're going to heaven when they die. You've been good to us. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a good camp, all the good workers that we had, for all the decisions that were made. And I pray, Lord, that the people here would continue to pray fervently that God's will would be done in the lives of these people, even though they're here and they may never met Him face to face. But prayer is a work a very good work, a necessary thing. Bless us in Christ's name we pray, amen.